Hey listeners, welcome to another great episode of the Comedy Northwest podcast. Uh, this episode is awesome. We're sitting down in between two shows uh, that they were doing, but these amazing comics. You guys, what do you guys want to say about this episode? Shit's cray. Shit's cray. Yeah. Uh, good episode. Dylan uh, talks about losing his virginity, and uh, yeah. it was uh, a warm autumn night. Yeah. Her name was Russell. <laughs> Russette. Russette. <laughs> Lost his virginity to a potato. Yeah. In Idaho. Mike, right, you Mike guys enjoyed enjoy it. it for 15 seconds. <laughs> enjoy the episode. Testing one, two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comedy Northwest podcast. I am your host, Ryan Traumer, and I am sitting here with two amazing comedians. Uh, we are recording this in January 2017, uh, and it is a Friday. So these fellas did the Thursday show in Redmond and are doing the regular Friday night show tonight. Is it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Okay. it is. Yep. And that the first one to speak up, that is uh, Jeremiah Coughlin. Hello. Hello. Uh, and of course, the feature that he brought with him is Dylan Jenkins. Dylan Jenkins. What's up, everybody? Hello, Internet. <laughs> so we're going to talk about you guys. So start over here. Hey. Jeremiah. Hi. How long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy since 2012. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. right before my 31st birthday. When I yeah, it was so I was thirty when I started comedy and I knew that I had to start it or I would never get a chance. So I don't know. I always felt like like I'd kinda missed my window when I was younger. In my twenties I always wanted to do comedy and I remember the last like few years of my twenties thinking like I would look at um, like Wikipedia pages for all these people um, that I really liked and it was like um, I'd look at when they started comedy, and I always think, like, man, uh, like, you know, Jim Carrey started doing comedy he was, like, 17, you know, or whatever. Like, all these people started, like, super young or were in college or whatever, and I had just never really done it. And so I always felt like, you know. But then there was a couple people. There's a couple people that, um, uh, like, Kat, Kathy Griffin. Uh, Griffith? Griffin? Griffith. Griffith. Yes. I always get that wrong. Uh, she started comedy when she was 30. Uh, Ron White started comedy when he was almost 30. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, all these guys that I respect and, like, were able to come out and I've heard their stories where they were like, you know, just start. It's never too late. If you want to do it, you know, you should do yeah. it. So, And I had a, um, a supervisor at work who had done uh, a lot of comedy, um, like, in the 90s and was not doing it anymore. But he was like, dude, you have to you have to do it. Like, if that's what you want to do, you should do it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that it's going to happen for me. And he was like, no, just just, just go and try it. Like, what, what do you have to lose? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. And so he was really encouraging. Um, so yeah, it was, it was uh, it's almost five years ago now. I just had to put that on uh, a website, and I was like, oh yeah, when when did I start comedy? So it's glad I'm glad you had just asked me because I just figured it out. I was like, okay, if I was this old, and then I did gone to that so. point of reflection. Yeah, just earlier today, so 2012. Yeah, dude wow. just recorded his debut album. Yeah, last Monday. So that That's was that right. was cool. I'm scared. Got to watch that. How did that go? I think it was fun. I don't know. It was uh, great. It was dude killed it. 
I got to watch him kill it twice. Then, out of nowhere, some random uh, college football coach walks in the door. I wouldn't have, it was just a guy in a hat. Yeah. And he just looked in the thing, in a separate room. He's like, what's going on in here? And Jeremiah's like, yo, that's the football coach for uh, who? Washington State. That's Mike Leach. She's my favorite football coach. She's my team. The coach of my team walks in and he's like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, oh, I just got done recording an album. And he was like, wow, that's really cool. He's like, you you do comedy? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm really jealous of you. Like, I always wanted to do comedy. And I was like, (laughs) you're the head football coach of my favorite football team. Like, what are you talking about? You're jealous of me. And was like, super cool. I gave him a t-shirt and got a picture with him. And he was really nice. And uh, I met a bunch of like the the other three coaches or two coaches that were out recruiting with them. And that was rad to see. That's really cool so guys. random. It was really random, but it was really cool. Shout out Mike Leach if you're listening. Probably not. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's a big fan. Come on. Drop those plays, player. The, the, yeah, that seems like the end of some sort of a uh, teenager feel-good movie. Hey, man, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty magical day. Like, uh uh, the first show we did was show at 8 and a show at 10 and the first show we packed out the little venue and went good sounded good apparently according to the sound guy and caught everything that they wanted and then um, did another show at 10 it was uh, a little fewer people but felt like it went good did some different stuff um, realized that doing like two uh, you know, almost hour long sets in one night is exhausting, and like that's it's a lot. Um, give me a lot of respect for the guys out there doing you know like seven shows a weekend at comedy clubs. You know, yeah. like three three shows on Saturday. You know, and I do that, but we host. You know, Dylan and I both <laughs> host at clubs, and it's like you know ten minute sets, and then a dude up there doing an hour. It's like yeah, no wonder those dudes do a lot of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Allegedly. I mean, they used to. They used to, you yeah. know, back in the days of uh, all that cocaine and yeah, whatnot. 2016, back in the day. <laughs> so, Dylan, when did you get started? Um, I just hit my three-year anniversary on the 14th of January. Yeah. Um, so I, st- I technically I was 24 when I started, but like I, I was only a 24 for a, my first month of doing comedy. Yeah. But I still say it because you know it looks better than 25, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's. I started doing it. A, fr- a coworker of mine signed me up to uh, tell stories at a company party. Like she had done. I'd wanted to do stand up for years, and I just never had the balls to actually do it. It was just something I would watch specials, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, that looks awesome. Yeah. And I was like, just the funny one of my friends, and just like kind of you know, the idea was there for a long time. But then I met. Uh, a coworker of mine, uh, and she was telling me she was like, "Yeah, I do. I do open mic comedy," and I was like, "What? Like you? You actually? You actually do? You go out and do comedy?" Like I was just I'm like, "What? What's that like?" And she just broke it down, and then I was just like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna do that." And then that just I just repeated that for like three months and never mm. did it. Yeah, and then she signed me up. Uh, to tell stories at this party and then and there was like three months in between like the sign up for the company party and the actual date and so I was like I can I can come up with some funny stuff in three months and then I proceeded to procrastinate every single day until literally the you know 12 hours before when I was like oh shit I need to write something yeah and that was it and got me hooked it was it was a lot of fun wow yeah and so then I just started hitting up open mics regularly and banging my head against the wall trying to write funny stuff Dylan, so, Dylan's a legacy 
Oh, that's right. Your dad. Yeah, my, my, my dad was a comic back in the 80s. Yeah. What was yeah. your dad's name? Robert what, Jenkins. What was? What is? It's Yeah, he's still Robert Jenkins. Yeah, okay. <laughs> still there. Stage but, name. Yeah, but, um, I remember it because it was something he stopped doing it before I could even, like, remember. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, like, that wasn't, I didn't grow up with him performing or yeah. anything like that, but I had heard from... Uh, my mom and he would tell me about it every now and again and uh, my my mom and dad are friends with uh, Portland comedian Susan Rice uh, shout out Susan Rice she's a we love a you legend in the northwest comedy scene she's great she's been incredibly yeah. helpful uh, to me and so I would talk with her about it and uh <laughs> And so basically, and then one day I I found uh, these tapes in the in the basement of my dad's house. I thought they were porno, so I was stoked <laughs> to watch them. But then I found them. It was just him on like a A and E's evening at the Improv. And then you pulled your pants back up. Yeah, and, yeah. And I blew my load, and I'm like, and then Dad walked in. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> thank thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, but so and my dad's been a really great like resource, like because like because he's just got all sorts of stories of you know yeah just doing things without cell phones i'm like that's crazy oh. well, like i don't know yeah how, can you imagine how, how you did comedy before at facebook messenger like what the, <laughs> email or email, really yeah, any yeah. how did you how did you book a gig where did you, you write your you, material what yeah, did you you called on a landline to another landline you bust out books yeah, uh, yeah, press kits paper. and stuff like press kits were actually. Yeah, like I've, I found uh, press kits. That yeah, I found some of uh, one of his press kits in my mom's uh, garage, and it was yeah, it was like the glossy eight by ten headshot, Ooh. and then basically like a resume and a whole like there was a cover page to it and everything. It was this yeah. whole whole thing. Wow, yeah. pretty cool though. Even like uh, early two thousands, my friend Jessa talks about like sending out that to a bunch of different places to get booked, um, and it was just you know like just a CD, and like you know she was like you make like uh, these like flyers and all this stuff, and it was like brightly colored and really like kind of god awful, but it was like you wanted to catch people's attention, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. it was like you have like neon green paper and all this stuff, you know, and just like. Uh, kind of awful looking things, but um, yeah, it's what got you know. I mean, people. It's all about getting noticed. People are of, cheesy. That I mean, that's part of it too. Yeah. Is like you know, part of you know. People. I write all my jokes with uh, those sparkly gel pens. Oh, no yeah, one else. Yeah. No one else is gonna see it, but just for me. Yeah, just for you. That's yeah, what's so important. So pops out. I'm like, this joke yeah. is gonna kill. Exactly. Because it's killing this font. What is <laughs> calligraphy? My next question. What is your writing process? Ooh, you want to go first? I mean, uh, Dylan uh, has already said that he waits until the last possible minute to write his <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much it. I, I, um, I'm trying to get better of listen. Like, I record all my sets and I listen to about half of them. Yeah, I should probably listen to more of them. Um, but I'm just trying to get better. Like, I keep a notepad by my bed for like when I'm sleeping because I swear that a lot of my ideas come as I'm like just about to fall asleep. And after so many times of thinking like oh man that's funny i'll rem- i'll totally remember that in the morning like that's just that's dumb yeah so just trying to get in the better habit of writing things down just when i get it just so you have something yeah and it could also be funny to look at those later and you have no idea when it's just a little like note fart sound effects acoustic what like, <laughs> it 
It was funny at the time. Yeah. But. The, yeah, Mitch Hedberg has a joke that civilians laugh at, but comedians get very depressed when they hear it. Oh, yeah, about the pen? Yes, which is, when I think of something really funny, I want to write it down really quick, unless I can't find a pen, in which case I just have to convince myself it wasn't that funny. Yeah, no, that's dead on. Yeah. So, yeah, the next day I'm like, oh, God, I can't remember what it was, but I'm going to say that it wasn't really as funny yeah, as it no, was it at the time. Big. Yeah, that's why. So I'm not, it's no big deal for missing out on that one. Yeah, it is. My biggest advice to open micers is to write shit down as much as possible. Whether you think it's funny or not, write it down and decide later. What is your writing process? What about you? Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not the authority on this because I don't write anything down. No, uh, we're not looking for authorities. We're looking for opinions. Right. No, I just, I when I was first starting, I would write out, like, I would write out every word I wanted to say at an open mic, mm-hmm. like, uh, like an essay form almost, and take that up there, and then I would not, I wouldn't read it. I would, but I would try to say it, and then if I got, like, if I got mixed up or whatever, then I found it was too hard to, like, kind of freestyle yeah um and so i just stopped doing that and i used to write i used to write ideas down just like in my house and a lot of the time i was loaded or whatever and i could not i could never like either read it or tell what the fuck i was talking about that happened a lot mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it was like uh, i would like write jokes on like my pge like power bill and stuff to like r- remind myself <laughs> that i was poor and then uh <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't have cocktail napkins. I, I had. I write my jokes on past due bills. Exactly, unpaid unpaid phone bills. Yeah, that's what I was really most the real of my jokes spirit. on. Pl- plenty, um, plenty of material to write on. Yeah, um, and then uh, I just kind of stopped um, writing anything down. Um, if I have an idea, I can. I have a really good memory, uh, like a really good memory, um, which I probably should have done something useful with um i'm pretty sure i have a photographic memory um and then um so i just if i come up with an idea uh and plus a lot of you know like all my material is is you know like at least you know half truths or like real life stuff that's happened to me so that makes it easy for me to remember and um you know like i've felt like in the last like um month or so like doing longer sets i've been doing a lot of a lot of like 30 to 45 minute to an hour sets um and feeling like i should like write out a set list or like and i you know like uh dylan writes a set list i feel like every show and just like um I, I thought about trying that and um, I just I have it all in my head and I just want to be able to kind of like freestyle through whatever like I know like I have a like a beginning and an end and whatever sort of happens in the middle happens in the middle um, and yeah I've just never really felt it necessary uh, I, I'm I'm not typical I know that I know of like one other comedian that that's like me and doesn't write anything down or you know like um it's just never been uh part of my process so so what is the what is the shelf life of your material between when you think of it as a joke and when you actually put it into your regular rotation um well that just depends i guess on on like how well it goes um you know if uh 
if I come up with an idea and I kind of flesh it out and um, what I'll usually try to do is like drop it in like you know I still do quite a few open mics a week um, quite a few by like I mean like three which is not a lot <laughs> by a lot of standards but it's that's a pretty good amount um, then uh, you know I usually try to drop it in um, in somewhere, uh, you know, like I kind of do like this, the, the sandwich where I, I do a joke that I know works and then something new that I don't know works and then something new and then something that I know works, um, to try to like, you know, um, get a good read on whether it's, it's actually something that's viable or not. Um, and then, you know, if that goes well, then it's, uh, you know, it just depends on, uh, how long of a set I'm doing. Um, you know, if I'm doing like the 10 minute hosting sets that I do a lot of, or just like, you know, in general, 10, 15 minute sets that I'm not usually going to do a lot of new stuff. Um, but I'll try to like pepper in things to keep it fresh. And, um, at this point I'm just like, now I'm, I feel like I've, I feel pretty good about the 45 minute sets that I'm doing. And now, uh, I've been like doing different orders of things and like changing, like doing different closers and trying to find out kind of, um, you know, like that set I did last night, that was a whole, I'd never done like those jokes in that order before. And so that's mm-hmm. like, now that's becoming like a new kind of challenging. Well, thing. It's been really cool for me to see, like, since we did the two shows, with him recording his album and then going down to California and back up, watching him rearrange his 45-minute set yeah. has been really cool because I, I'm i not even close to that yet. I'm like, I got 20 minutes, if that, and I, I can't remember shit. That's why I got to write down that set list, whatever. Yeah. But it's been really cool. I've been learning a lot watching him rearrange his jokes and like reading the room and like deciding not to do certain things because audience or whatever, Just it, that's been cool to see. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to see. So, how much if you were featuring for a show, but they said you choose how much time you do, how much time would you want to do? Like, how do you feel? What is your strongest time set of comedy on stage in one go? Well, I mean, for me, I feel the strongest at like fifteen to twenty minutes. Fifteen to twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I one I would I would love eventually I would love to be have a really strong half hour mm-hmm. like oh yeah and then eventually I mean clearly have a strong hour yeah that's a ways away but as of right now fifteen to twenty mm-hmm. and especially like if it's if it's just fifteen like I feel like the the shorter it is like the more you can just like okay this is all just gonna be like just as many punchlines as I can. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, but it's also it's fun to have a little bit more room to breathe, like with a twenty minute set. Yeah, and you can address things going on in the room, and that's yeah. just I'm I'm only just getting to the point where I feel comfortable enough on stage to be more in in, in the moment. In the moment, yeah. Because like, for so long it's just been okay. Yeah, I've got these jokes written out. And I'm gonna be nervous, and I'm gonna go up there, and regardless of something crazy happens in the back yeah. of the room or whatever wouldn't address it just keep going with my jokes you like the only thing that you were really like you concentrate on what you say your scheduled yeah uh recite um and then the other other thing you can really concentrate on is pause for laughter and then continue again yeah like that's the only thing you can think of and the you know the rest of it just comes with being comfortable on stage and just reps and but it's something like if you're on stage and you're doing your thing and something crazy happens in the audience and you don't address it Mm -hmm. It's like the rest of the audience, they're going to see that and they're going to be like, you're not going to wait. It's like kind of like a, 
blowing the illusion that you're like in control because they're like wait you're not going to talk about that like yeah. isn't that what you guys do yeah i'm like no i'm just a scared person with some ideas written down yeah <laughs> i'm so nervous i don't want to be here but i, I do want to be here yeah 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 i don't think i would want to do any more than 30 uh really um like is a um you're talking about being the middle act like there's an act behind you well that's the idea is that your maximum amount is one hour but they're telling you that you can do as much time as you want yeah yeah i mean i think uh you know like 30 to 45 is is like right in my wheelhouse right now and something i feel good about where i do have that time to address you know um like that thing about the dog last night I kind of like uh, that was kind of off the cuff um, and I talked I'd done that that story about my old dog being afraid of like the little person before mm-hmm. but um, it's not something I regularly do and I was like oh well, there's a dog here you should talk about your dog mm-hmm. and so um, you know and just like um, that's why it's so good that you know just comes from experience like you, know, you get like these little stories or these little things that you know you don't plan on doing all the time, but just yeah for when that comes up, when there's someone with a dog in the audience, yeah, when we got something to go on, and yeah. that just comes from just experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it also when you're able to do that, it makes the show that much more enjoyable for everyone because it just makes you look you look good. Yeah, being able to address something that's happening in real time and yeah, crowd work is uh, crowd work is something that. Um, I think a lot of people have a hard time with um, and people kind of shy away from it or feel like, you know, they're not, um, they just don't really know how to handle it. And they, they like, like Dylan said, they have an idea of what they're going to say. And this is like, this is what I'm going to say. And if anything goes off of this path and um, which I think helps, like, I think that's why not writing anything out for me helps a lot. Um, and just like getting into that practice. Um, and part of it is just like my experience with, uh, you know, like, public speaking beyond comedy and like you know i was a trivia host for a while i was a tour guide for a while like things like that are they're basically i mean it's basically scheduled crowd work and then you have like think material based around that you know yeah. it's like kind of the opposite um and so uh you just get a little more comfortable with that um that element of it um but yeah, having time in a set, you know, like at this point, like doing like 10 minute sets, um, I, I like the condensed, you know, it's like a concentrated version of what I'm doing. And so I can, um, I feel like I can, I can punch the jokes up and, and do, you know, like sort of like a, a really greatest hits kind of thing. But, um, having time to like do crowd work and mess around and tell stories and go off in directions that I'm not necessarily, uh, planning on, um, is a yeah. lot of fun. And I, I really like doing like right around 30 minutes right now is, is really great. So, so currently with your currently where you are with your career, how, like when you're on stage, how much riffing do you put in there or uh, is it all just pre yeah, I mean, designated. for me, no. I mean, it's it. It just depends on the audience, and it depends on the mood I'm in, and it could be, um, 
you know, it could be quite a bit and it could be none, you know, yeah. and part of it is um, like doing hosting sets where, you know, you um, like one of the some of the best advice I got when I first started doing comedy uh, is from um, one of my really good friends in comedy. His name is Zoltan Cassis, who's a really, really good comedian out of San Diego. And we've done some really good shows together. And, and um, uh, we did some club work together and, and I, I didn't feel like it went great for me and he was he said like when you um, especially as a host or a first person up a thing you want to do is put yourself in the room you know and kind of break that wall between you and the audience because people can get in that mode where they watch so much stand up on TV or Netflix specials that you know they just sort of watch and they don't participate yeah. or they don't feel like they even need to laugh out loud because it's, yeah they they just feel like they're they're like watching a, t a tv you know it's a hypnotoad sort of situation yeah it yeah. happens you know and so to kind of break down that wall um the advice i got was to put yourself in the room you know like like talking about the guy's dog or whatever like really yeah. sort of like opens people up to the fact that oh this guy's here mm -hmm. and he's participating in this with us and it's it's more of a conversational thing you know and not to you know um you know like um you know like people that have a really hard time you know like i see like crowd work and hecklers as sort of like very similar things and i know some people like if anyone in the audience says anything to them they're like a deer in the headlights and yeah. they don't know how to like deflect that and move on or anything like that and that's i mean to me that's crowd work you know and if even if it's telling somebody to shut the fuck up you know like that's part yeah. of what you're up there to do um you know and and like that example of like putting yourself in the room like commenting on something that's happening around you uh even like when when i go up i like to like um you know hey let's have a hand for the wait staff or whatever you know yeah. like kind of gets people in that mode of like okay we're here in this together you know um the, the the example like Zoltan gave me he was doing uh, it was the San Diego comedy competition and he actually won and uh, he, he got up there and he was like hey man this is really cool this competition you know they're giving like uh, like third place is getting 500 bucks and uh, second place is a thousand and I think uh, the winner's gonna get like two thousand dollars and that's wow. you know like that's really cool and he's like I'm looking around this club man and I don't think this place has that fucking money. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, he ended up winning the competition, you know, and it was just like, you know, he's like, go back and watch that and just see how, like, everyone kind of, like, dropped that veil of, like, okay, like, we're all here together to do this, you mm -hmm. know? And so that's like, like I said, that was probably the best advice I got um, among, you know, there's been a lot of advice. Um, but, just uh you know if you're gonna riff or you're gonna crowd work or you're gonna tell a story that you weren't planning on telling or you're gonna deal with a heckler or you know um you know and not even just like not and when i say heckler i don't even mean you know like the malicious people that are like Asshole. there yeah that doesn't you know like heckler to me like there was that lady last night that mm -hmm. like felt like she was having a conversation with me <laughs> and it's like you know um uh, 
like we were listening to like that pace time and, ry- and rhythm you know like that's yeah. that's comedy you know and so if i have a pace a timing and a rhythm and you're interjecting yeah then that's not going to work yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so like yeah i'll i'll like i'll address you and and um like talk to you a couple times and then if it gets to the point where it's like okay like you know and i'll usually say it in a funny way where people like don't know if I'm joking or not like last night where I was like hey just um, shut the fuck up will mm-hmm. you you know and they're like oh ha 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 yeah. and they're like oh like I should really shut up you yeah. know and like dealing with people on their phones mm-hmm. you know yeah. like I've we've this whole week we've dealt with like people in the front row on their phones and Ugh. it's just like you know I, I've just started to like ask people it's like are you live tweeting this are you on Tinder right now <laughs> are you guys texting each other you know just like mm-hmm. stuff like that where like to make them aware like because it is it's that wall where they're it's like, like we can see you right yeah. and, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and they're like oh you know like uh, when we were in Arcata these two dudes were both on their phone at the same table and, and so I started picking on them and you know like I got a couple laughs about it and, and T them and you know they put their phones away and then they came up after the show and were like hey thanks for calling us out like we didn't mean to be disrespectful yeah you know i just didn't even think about it you know and like yeah um i was in boise a couple weeks ago there was you know like these like soccer moms and they're like we're talking to the babysitter and it's like we'll get up and go to the back of the room you're in the front row like yeah you know like it's distracting for me like if you're sitting there on your phone and like i haven't even told a joke yet yeah you know like give me a chance to like get up here and start my set before you're like pull your phone out and start like tweeting or whatever you're Why? doing you know? and I remember once um, my my dad took me to a, a music open mic one day he picked me up from school he's like hey you want to play some guitar for people and I'm like uh, sure he's like cool because I signed you up for an open mic Mississippi <laughs> Pizza and I was fucking pissed and so we, we go home I get my guitar and then we drive over to the venue and I pull my guitar out of the car and then I also grab uh, an issue of Guitar Player Magazine that I yeah. was just going to spend reading. My dad looked at me and he's like, why, why do you have that? Like, oh, so I can read like between them. He's like, no, you don't do that. Like, If you're going to go to this thing, you got to respect the performers. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, geez, dad, you're a dick. <laughs> but then it was like, oh, he taught me a now you're saying the exact valuable same lesson. <laughs> and so, but it was just something like he taught me right there. It's like, if you go, you got you owe a certain respect yeah. to whoever's performing. And ultimately, like, if you don't like it or whatever, you can just get up and leave. And that's like the most powerful yeah. thing you can do. Yeah. And something. Um, but yeah, it's always. And. and I feel in my limited, you know, my brief career so far, most of my experience with, like, air quote hecklers have been, you know, it's not people saying, like, you suck. It's someone, like, saying, yeah, that is funny. You know, like, (laughs) they start talking to you and, yeah, yeah, you don't realize. So who here is from out of town? We are. We came in the other day. We're staying here over the weekend, and we're just decided to come out for comedy tonight. Anywho, yeah. Yeah. it's like these all these questions are rhetorical. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but yeah, and then they just start. It's weird when someone can be like kind of laughing and agreeing with you, and then still messing you up. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> there's yeah, there's two types of hecklers. There's the idiot and the asshole. The idiot, well, and both of them are fueled by alcohol. Mm-hmm. The idiot is the person that answers the questions and then suddenly thinks they're in a conversation with the comedian yeah. they're just they're just not aware of the social structure of a show and then there's the asshole that's usually like the dude bro or the redneck guy that's like oh well I'm funnier than this asshole uh-huh. I should have all this attention right now and then they do it out of p- 
pure spite. But I would like to hear some heckler stories. Have you have you guys really handled like bad hecklers before? Yeah, uh, I ha- I I really haven't. I no. Uh, I had one lady in the back of an open mic just say, "This isn't good." And, but I was I was I'd only been doing comedy maybe a year. Yeah, and I just like crumbled. I'm like, well, you know. Maybe it isn't, and then I just left. Oh, I'm, you're you're not. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Shut, Shut up. Damn it, Richard. Then of course driving home, got yeah, all the good lines. You know. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, like I, that improv, improv part of your brain, right? Uh, like, yeah. Uh, like we have shows in Portland that are improv based and I always like wake up the next day and go gosh dang it why didn't I say that you know (laughs) and so it's like training that you know like that um just to fire off whatever the first thing in your head is is yeah. um but yeah i've definitely dealt with people um like hosting hosting shows at the club in portland um at harvey's uh in portland is like you know the last show we did it was uh the late show on new year's eve you know like the with like you end up in situations where people are so drunk they're physically unable to stop talking yeah um you know and like you, you when you're uh, like I don't drink anymore so I forget how fucking loaded people get in public yeah, and you're just like oh my gosh um, and so there's that element of it and then usually if you so what's your craziest? Um, if you or? embarrass someone, like just like two weeks ago in Boise, uh, I was like the I was the middle person. We it was like six or seven comics. It was like a showcase part of Idaho Laugh Fest, and there's just this guy who's just like yelling. Like every punchline I did, he would yell, like ditto or for sure or whatever, and it's just like yelling and yelling. And it was like the third or fourth joke I did. I was like, hey man shut the fuck up and like everyone kind of like cheered you know and like if you can shame people and like uh, it helped a lot that i was in boise but i i i have this kind of holstered line where i i say uh i was like you know i i like having you here and whatever um i think you're funny um but i think that you and i are both funny in the way that uh me and jeff gordon both have driver's licenses And uh, like, yeah. especially in a redneck place like Boise. Uh, no offense, Boise, but the guy had a camel hat on. It was yelling, <laughs> uh, and uh, like it, that will get you an applause break. And when uh, people that are in that situation, even if they're drunk, when they realize that the whole room is now against them and does not want them to continue doing what they're doing, and now that, that you've said something to uh, like sort of shame them, that's you know like shame is sort of like the best weapon against people yeah talking out of turn um the same with the phones you know it's like calling attention to it in front of everyone and being like this isn't okay this isn't what i'm you know like we're not just gonna let this happen um we usually get people to kind of like oh shit like yeah yeah i'm the asshole right now yeah and people generally don't want to be assholes um i think yeah and so um you know, and I've also had, uh, I've had 
uh, stories like that where, um, you know, the club will have to come, like, get people and take them out of the show. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not at a point in my career where I can just be like, all right, get this fucking guy out of here, whatever, you know, <laughs> which it would be great at some point, you know, but it's like, um, you know, you just have to deal with it. And especially if you're, if you're not the headliner, um, then, you know, it's sort of your job to, you know, like jump on that grenade and, you know, make sure that the person that comes up, you know, like, um, had a lot of like talking, uh, I hosted for Solomon Giorgio, um, up in Seattle and it felt like every show we did, it was just like everyone in the audience felt like they were like overly participating, you know, and it was just like as the host or the feature or whatever you, you need to come up and say, Hey, like, you know, just be mindful that the, the comedian isn't talking to you personally uh <laughs> but yeah i don't know i mean at the same time it's like um it, there was a I, now I, i'm remembering there was this open mic that used to happen in portland off on hawthorne called ranger at this place called ranger station yeah and it was a really cool it was a really small room and there were these booths and everything so like there weren't you didn't need too many people in there for it to be packed out Mm-hmm. And but they would have music before the mic, and then people would be you know still there, uh, not necessarily there for comedy. And I went there once, and I was maybe I think I was like sixth or seventh in the lineup. And there was this booth in the back, and there was these three people, and they just kept they were just really loud and obnoxious. And the host went up, did his set, and they were just talking through it and everything. And then yeah, and so I was seventh, and. It, after like the third comic like they were just loud no one was doing anything to stop it and so i just made up my mind Mm -hmm. like okay i'm gonna go up there i'm gonna try and tell a joke but if they talk which i know they're gonna i'm just i'm gonna lose it because this is just really annoying yeah and so essentially i got up there and i started telling my joke and they just start talking and then i just kind of i blew up i was just like you guys need to shut the fuck up they're like what i'm like yeah you three in the back You've been disrespectful to all these comedians. It wasn't like, you know, there's like a grace period. Like, okay, if there's if, if you're at a thing and there's comedy happening and you didn't know it, like the first like ten minutes, like I I can get it. You're like, oh, I didn't know this and that, but this we're like thirty five minutes, forty yeah. minutes into it, and so it's just like you guys need to shut the fuck up. And there was a couple, and then one of their friends are like, oh, what we didn't know there was a problem. I'm like, yeah, because you are a drunk idiot. Yeah. How can you not? Everyone else here is trying. And I wasn't really being funny, like, yeah. <laughs> admittedly. And uh, the couple, they get up and they're walking out, and the guy's just giving me the finger as he's leaving. And I'm like, how ironic. Like, he's been so loud this entire time. And then he chooses to insult me with the, you know, a silent, silent insult. gesture. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, uh, his buddy was there and he had this big beard. And so I start going through my, my jokes and the guy just starts interrupting me. He's like, Hey man, that wasn't cool. And then I just go off. I'm like, you fucking off brand duck dynasty beard having <laughs> motherfucker. Like you look like you come in your own beard and then you let it dry and you sprinkle it on your, on your eggs and breakfast. <laughs> like it was just, it, it was gross. <laughs> And like some people were laughing, but then when I started talking about the cum and the beard, like the whole room, it I'd gone I had gone too far, yeah. Like clearly, and he left, and he was like, "What the fuck, man?" As he was leaving, and then there was just the room was super, it was just super awkward, and I'm like, "All right, that's been my time. I'm out of here," <laughs> and I left, and I went to this other open mic downtown, 
and I'm sitting there. And they were there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> same guy. Terrible. <laughs> but no, so I'm at the the next open mic, and then we've got um, him here actually. Yeah, <laughs> what's up, Duck Dynasty Beard? Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I'm at this other open mic, and my buddy Naraj comes, and he was he went up later after me at the thing, and he came up to me. He's like, "Dude, that guy stayed for the re- like the rest of the mic, but he didn't open his mouth at all." Yeah. Like, thank. You. It was just one where I was just like, "Okay, I'll fall on the sword." Yeah. You know. Oh, I've done that. Yeah. And but I mean, it was it was also it was a, a valuable lesson of like seeing like where the line was as far as intensity of yeah. approaching. A heckler, yeah. whatnot, and so I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that was just full on, like, okay, I'll I'll use my set to just get these people to shut up. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. A hero is somebody who's hungry enough and tired enough to do something about exactly. it. <laughs> just, I'm not taking this shit anymore. And I mean, the idea is you fucked over your set, but for the benefit of the next three people to do a yeah, good set. Yeah, for the set. rest of the show. So if you hadn't have done that you would have had a slightly shitty set because of this guy and then the next three people would have had a slightly shitty set yeah. because of that guy so sacrificing the end of your set for everybody else that is a that it, you are a nobleman exactly. of comedy good sir exactly. the and i mean i guess the next question that i have to ask is where where are you now in your career when you when you first started doing comedy what was your goal Oh man, um, and how how has that evolved? Yeah, I don't know that I had a goal. Like, um, I know that when I like my first few open mics um, and like meeting, like it's sort of like this weird progression where you 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 realize that there's a bunch of other people doing comedy and that they are now your friends, um, for good or for bad, uh, <laughs> and that you're all like kind of in this together and then you. Um, you know, especially with like social media and Facebook and now it's like okay like I met five people at the open mic last night and they were all cool to me and so now I'm Facebook friends with them and I'm like you know you look at their profiles and they have posters and stuff of them doing um, show like showcases and um, you know this that and the other and you like I remember for me seeing that and like like just that was a, enough to be a goal in the beginning where it was like I want to I want to be booked on a showcase like yeah. a local thing mm-hmm. where it's not somebody that owes me a favor or whatever it's just somebody or even if it is you know that I can um, <laughs> yeah you start with the favors yeah yeah you know and just um, you know that someone will see me at an open mic and like what I'm doing well enough to want to put me up in front of other people mm-hmm. um, you know and like once I got to that then it was like uh, you know I was one of the people that's kind of started my own show very early on um, because of that lack of stage time and because I had connections um, through being a trivia host um, where it was like oh well you do trivia here on Wednesdays like what do you think about doing a comedy show on Thursday you know and um, that was good and bad uh, I was definitely sort of um, like running before I could walk kind of thing um, but it was stage time and it was um, you know where I got to I got to sort of build some of those favors up and put people up and build relationships through that um, and so you know for me it was really just like get on get on a showcase get booked get your name on a poster you know and it was like very small um, sort of like achievable goals in the beginning I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all about achievable goals and so um, yeah I mean that was really it I didn't have like some grandiose idea of like I want to you know like um, you know 
Carnegie on Saturday Hall. Night Live or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, you know, like, yeah, like, you were doing everybody... it because you wanted to do something that you enjoyed doing, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, even this year, um, you know, and I haven't written them down for 2017, but like 2016, I wrote out um, like four or five things that I wanted to to do. You know, that I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And um, you know, I wanted to get into a festival. I wanted to, uh, you know, build a stronger 30 minutes. I wanted to um, like push outside of comedy and do something, uh, whether it was like voiceover work or improv or, you know, audition for a commercial or, you know, just something. Yeah. Like know, something yeah. that was outside of like pure stand up um, or like write something, um, you know. And then. Um, you know, the other one, like the kind of the final one that I'm still working on is like to make, um, like to have more of a point to the things like to do comedy, like, you know, to do comedy that has, uh, whether it's some sort of like social commentary or, um, has an element to it that is like beneficial to people or something like that. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like we can all just get up there and talk and, and get laughs and whatever. But, uh, the people that actually like impact this business and, um, like, thrive are people that um you know whether like directly or indirectly um do comedy that has some sort of social uh edge to it where you like walk away thinking like oh that affected me in a way that i want to change something or i want to do something or i want to think differently about something yeah like, mm-hmm. ultimately if you can make someone laugh at it with a give them a new perspective on something right yeah like, that's I think that's ultimately the best thing that you can and do as a comic. And that's like the hardest thing to do yeah. as a yeah. comic. Too, I tentatively so. use the metaphor of uh, the Jesus era traveling uh, pastors and uh, just um, washing feet. You, well, I mean, that's the idea: is that like Jesus would go town to town, spreading his word, his thoughts of good things. And I feel like we are the equivalent therein. He had a tight <clears throat> thirty-five minutes. Oh God, yeah, that's the thing. Slaughtered yeah. in it. He. Imagine having to follow him. <laughs> Fuck, man. He, he, put, he turned water into wine, man. I'm going to go with his dick jokes after that. It's true. <laughs> hey, guys, watch me turn this wine into pee. Exactly. Yeah. It's a tough act to follow. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, as far as goals go, I mean, um, you know, in 2016, uh, I got into a festival. I built a stronger 30 minutes. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really... Um, find anything that really i did some pod i did a lot of podcasting um but you know uh, so there's things that i was able to achieve there's things that i'm still working on uh there's a new set of goals for 2017 that uh you know i'm still like trimming down and and finding what's achievable and what's um you know and then you know at this point you know i've had some i've had a lot of people ask me that recently like um you know like what is your goal because i'm i'm at a point where I work 40 hours a week at a day job and I don't know how much longer that's going to be a viable option, you know? And, uh, that's terrifying to me. And I've always had a paycheck and I've always, Mm. uh, had a job, you know, I've never done contract work or anything like that where Mm. I got paid based on performance or whatever. Um, and so that would be, that's something that scares the shit out of me. Um, and so, you know, when people ask me, I'm like, you know, I don't know. You know, I'd really like, I like to be on the road. I like, I like being out here like just this week, um, you know, for the last seven days we've been out here, you know, doing this and, um, 
uh, I really enjoy that and like seeing myself like being one of those like on the road 50 weeks a year you know nine shows a week kind of guys like grinding it out doing that for a while um, is appealing to me and yeah. I know that some people think of that and they think that sounds like their biggest fucking nightmare yeah and to me I'm like let's do it yeah. you know like that sounds like what I want to do um, see that's, so that's just, the great thing about comedy is that there is you can start everybody starts at an open mic but there's 20 different paths that you can take sure and once you get past a certain point you can stop any place that you want so at any level that you want so, I mean, like, end game could be Johnny Carson level. But at the same time, do you really need, like, a show on NBC? Couldn't it be just, like, basic cable? And do you really need to perform? Could you just be a writer for the show? Or maybe just a writer's writer? Be, like, a tweet-type writer and, like, just, you know, on your way yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, it's all about just finding... What you enjoy, what, you, what works yeah. for you, that and sort of a thing. Especially since, like, you know, we're always, you know, like, as people, you're always changing. So, you know, what... I wanted at 17 versus what I want now at 27 are totally different. And so who knows what it's going to be like when I'm 37 Yeah, type deal. Yeah. But, so uh, yeah. So Dylan, what was your goal? Why did you, uh, the the main things, the, the, the things that I wrote down for 2016 is I wanted to get into the clubs in Portland. I Mm -hmm. wanted to host it at Harvey's and I wanted to host at helium and I was able to get in at Harvey's and I'm about to start at helium. So that was, like that that was like the two main goals and i wanted to get up to half hour material i'm not there yet yeah. um but mainly i just i yeah i mean ultimately eventually i want to be a full-time stand-up comedian like that yeah i don't want to work at a grocery store anymore <laughs> um and so that but yeah man i want to i want to fucking headline madison square garden you know what i'm saying jeremiah boom <laughs> you know uh, you know, so we'll see what, where I'm at in 20 years with yeah. that. But really, I just want to continue to write more, be able to perform out of Portland more, go out on the road because it's been, it's cool. It's, it, 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 it's, it's a lot of fun uh, going places you're not used to, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh shit, there's a guy with a cowboy hat in the front row. Am I gonna be able to make this dude laugh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then hopefully, I want to be able to not be phased when I see a cowboy hat. Be like, <laughs> I got this. I yeah. believe in myself. And so, yeah, I think the, the goal in 2017 is just continue to just try and uh, get out of town more, more road work. Yeah. And yeah, just, and also just try and have the respect of my peers. Like yeah. that's, I think that's probably the, that's the highest praise you can get in this industry is you yeah. know, having other, because it's other comics help each other, help you out. You yeah. Know? Oh God, yeah! And it's so, a community. It is yeah. definitely a community. And that's one thing. Uh, it's been cool being on the road here with Jeremiah because, like, watching like he's a much more personable person than I am. Yeah. Like, so it's, I'm like, I need to take some notes from because it was like last night at the bar. He was talking to the bartender. You felt her name, like talking with people, and I'm just so anti. I'm. I feel like so many times I probably come off as like a dick just because I'm really insecure and I don't. Yeah. make a lot of eye contact but it's I mean just, that's all I think me. that all the time about you so yeah yeah no I think that so <laughs> so I want to try and change that and be more you know just not caught up in my own bullshit yeah oh I god yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense the hardest hardest things for me was talking to people after the show because like yeah. I just spent a half an hour 
giving you my best and you still want to talk to yeah. me more? Can't you just leave me alone? Didn't I yeah. put in my time? Aren't you entertained enough? Oh God, they just, they want to thank me. They want to have a conversation. I can at least stay on that well, much. One thing that's weird is like my, my brief experience being a musician and playing in bands, like people after a show, they'll be, oh, you guys were great. Like they'll talk about something like that. But I never, I never had anybody come and be like, "Oh man, you guys were great, man." You know, I always, like, I always wanted to be in a band. Like I thought I could, I thought I could play guitar in a band. I thought, and, like that's cool. Like, I, or say that you know, I think I could do it. Like I think yeah. I could probably do it. But I mean, you guys were all right. But I think I could. I, I played the guitar in, once or twice, you know, in yeah, college. It's just and, in, yeah, it didn't. But it's like every time with comedy, it's like, oh, that was good. Yeah, no, I. Then they just come and like talk like yeah I think I could do it and this yeah. and that and I'm like well well there's an open mic on Tuesday play it go sign up it's deceiving to people to watch stand up comedy well, because if you're really good at it you make it look easy. yeah there's no actual tools there's no physical uh, demand for yeah. it it's entirely you in your head nobody can actually nobody can physically see how you are doing this and how you are pulling this off yeah. so it a lot of people think well if he can do it without anything. Then I can do it without anything. Yeah. And people just, yeah, just try it before you talk about trying it. And they probably will be funnier than me, but it so they probably won't yeah. ever try it. But I don't know. I mean, uh, for me, you know, I feel like that um, that time after the show where people want to talk to you, and I'm like, that's what I live for. You know, yeah. like that's that part is rad. That, that's yeah. you know, and uh, when I was in Boise uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were all kind of hanging out in the green room and uh, just hanging out. You know, we're at a festival, so you get to like network with other comics and hang out. It's a really fun time to just like talk about your craft and yeah. and meet people that are out there doing it, and uh, you know, it's great. And uh, I was back in the green room talking to a bunch of people, and then like it's I could hear the show ended, and I was like, oh, uh, I have to go. Like I have to go stand by the door and have everyone tell me I did a good job because yeah. <laughs> if I don't get validation from this, then it was all yeah. for naught, you know. And like Amen. they kind of laughed. They're like, yeah, we get it. Go, go, you know. And yeah. so you know, and like being another like when you're like out of town, you know, and like the locals and people wanna people wanna take you out and like buy you drinks and show you around and that kind of stuff you know it can be really like adventurous and kind of fun and mm-hmm. um you know i do i like people you know i um you know like i joke around about like people are the worst and that kind of thing but you know like uh meeting new people and just like hanging out and talking and learning um you know and like hearing you know dude in the cowboy hat last night was like well i did some comedy you know and, yeah you know and it's like eh, you know and he's like you know i have I, I don't usually laugh at people but you guys made me laugh and you guys were funny and you know like you know you appreciate it um but it is you know it is um i see people that have a really hard time with that because of just like social anxiety or awkwardness or insecurity or whatever it is you know and like um you know they just like that's like the last thing they want to do at the end of a show is like stand by the door and like you know sell merch or you know say hi to people or shake hands or you know whatever and um i don't know for me i just find that i'm the opposite of that and i'm like yeah hey how are you what are you doing let's you know let's let's talk let's hang out so yeah i don't know um but we're coming up on our hour, so I want to wrap this up. But I, yeah. I, this is my favorite question to ask, and this is the one that serves as the—it's either a warning or inspiration. 
for uh, future comedians. So here is my question. Take it, interpret it however you want, answer it in whichever order you want. Here we go. What is your best gig ever? What is your worst gig ever? Yeah. Um, I think as far as... That's a good question. Um, my best gig ever... Shit. What? Uh, See, usually the worst gig is usually just, eh, things just didn't work out. And it was just a shitty time altogether. But best gig can usually depend on the other people that were on stage, the audience, yeah. the venue. Um, it could be any number of things. So go ahead and interpret however you feel. Take your time. We can edit any empty space out. Okay. Or I can just keep talking and filling it with my beautiful, beautiful voice right now. I'm thinking the worst show I ever did. This is like when I get asked these questions, I'm like, well, shit, I still haven't really done that many shows. <laughs> uh, what would... Um, okay, I think uh, one of the best shows I ever did was my second time hosting at Harvey's Comedy Club. It was the early Saturday show. And I was hosting for Bree Pruitt and Susan Rice. Oh, wow. And it was just... It was just one of those nights where the audience was just on... Like, the audience was great. Mm-hmm. It was like I, I, you couldn't mess up. Mm-hmm. It was just a thing, and everything just flowed, and like the jokes went over really well, and yeah, and it was great. And then I, I like I felt I, I felt I killed it. Then I watched Bree Pruitt go up and kill it, and I watched Susan Rice go up and absolutely destroy. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, okay, those, that's how it's done. Yeah, and I just left the club feeling great. Like it was just one of the ones where it was. Uh, that or uh, there was a show. Amy Miller hosted this show in Portland called Midnight Mass. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I got on it, uh, and I was I was super excited. And there was a uh, this comedian from New York. His name's Dan Soder. He was in town at Helium, and I did my set, and it went. Oh, I was really nervous because it was like really it was one of the best showcases in town. And I was yeah. really excited about it. And the stage manager she came up to me. She said, "Okay, you're going to be going up second and you get five minutes yeah so not five minutes and two seconds you know not four and a half you need to do five minutes she was very like five minutes and i was just like yeah okay i got got five minutes and i went up and it went really well Mm -hmm. it was it was awesome and then i was standing by the bar later and i get a tap on my shoulder and i look over and it was dan soder he was coming in to do a guest set and he was just like hey man your liberated cookie joke was really <laughs> and i was just like i listen to you on the radio it was the it was like the first time a like a more like an out-of-town comic had given me props and yeah so i think that was the coolest moment so yeah. far yeah that is pretty cool and so whenever i bomb i just think about them like he said i did good once so i'll, I'll, I'll keep going and yeah so i think that's that was the best well that's cool two. Yeah, that can um, that can make a big difference too. Like uh, even just I've done open mics. Like uh, Ian Carmel was at an open mic Ooh. that I did once, and afterwards came up and was like, "Hey, that was really funny," you know. And I was like, I didn't even like what it was, so it was like you're kind of like that aw shucks, like hi, you know. But mm-hmm. it's like uh, I call it praise from Caesar, you know, where it's like someone who's out there like really doing it. Yeah, uh, says something like that. Um, yeah, for me, like, worst show, uh, it's pretty easy. Like, I talk about it on stage. I, I did an open mic at the strip club in Vegas, um, <laughs> and that was easily the, just, like, the worst uh, comedy experience I've ever had where people are just uh, not there for comedy. And, you know, it's just 
uh, strip clubs and open mic comedy, uh, you know, are like the pinnacles of sadness. Um, and so when you put them together, it's like a whole, it's like a alternate universe of sadness. Um, so, but then, uh, you know, like probably the best show, um, you know, thinking of a few of them, I mean, we've already talked about the album recording the other night with Mike Leach walking in at the end of it, it was pretty amazing. Um, you know, and I, I'm lucky enough that, um, I, I get to uh, participate in, in a lot of, um, like 12 step program, uh, comedy, you know, like AA comedy and NA comedy, um, because, um, they, they do comedy at like conventions and meetings and that kind of thing. Um, and I've gotten to do a couple of those and those are easily the best crowds you've ever dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone is so supportive and so on board. (laughs) They are very sober, which, uh, you think would not be conducive to comedy, but it's like, it is actually like amazing. Um, and, and the the other thing is that people people that are in recovery don't feel comfortable going to comedy clubs. They don't feel comfortable going oh, to yeah, bars, yeah. and they don't get to go out and have a night where they they feel safe. But they also get to do something that they would have done, you know, like a normal person would do, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, they they need it you know and so to give them a time where they can go out and see comedy and um you know and feel like they get to participate in something like that um is like just huge for them and they're they're just the best audience um and it's like they they laugh at your setups they're just so like on board with everything and yeah. so um the few times i've gotten to do that and i have i have some of those coming up um like next week um and so anytime i i get uh I get to volunteer for something like that. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And so, um, yeah, those few shows have, have like easily been as far as audiences go, um, the best, you know, and as far as, um, getting a chance to perform with people that I never, you know, like I said, when I started doing comedy, like, um, you know, I just, I never thought that I would do, um, you know, like achieve a level where I was like working with people that like, I, you know, really respect, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've, I've, uh, I, I did midnight mass and, um, you know, um, like Mike Kaplan was on, uh, midnight mass with me and it was just like, holy crap, you know, um, yeah. And, and just, um, you know, hosting shows with, um, you know, like Solomon Giorgio and people that um, are out there doing it and been on Conan and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like to share stages with those kind of people is just mind boggling to me, you know, and, and to achieve something like that is like, you know, really keeps you, keeps you hungry, you know, it keeps you wanting to, you know, like achieve to the next level and have, have, you know, like I'd like to someday be somebody where people are like, man, I never thought I'd get to like do a show with this guy. And, and now I am, you know, yeah. like that's, that would be really cool for me. Oh, so. yeah. Well, oh, so I think about that every time you come. Oh, uh, I, I, uh, I, re- I remember the worst show. Now. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was at, uh, it was at this place nope. called sky, sky bar. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> I know. No one cares. Uh, sky club. Ooh, Sky at, Club at, uh, was Ankeny's a rough well. one, and the bar is since shut down and it's empty. And I am not sad to see that place go. That was like <laughs> the, the worst. worst. Yeah, that was easily the worst room in Portland comedy, like hands down. Yeah, it was just it was terrible. It's like right down, right next to Voodoo Donuts and down in Old Town. What made it so bad? It was it was just like there was never like anyone there. Yeah, but 
but it was like different. It's like this weird L-shaped room, and so this high stage. I can't. Really it's no stage. one of the stage that's you know five four feet up off the ground. It's always rough. Yeah, and just this weird layout and just a really weird energy. Like there's the whole left side of the wall is all windows, so you can just see people walking around. There's only like and four tables, and then there's a bar where people are sitting. People they can't to face. The sit yeah at the end of the bar and face the bartender and you're sort of like over their right shoulder and they don't they can't really yeah, it was like just orient just every like little weird way to yeah. not be good it was yeah and so i went up and i had to do seven minutes and at the beginning of the show there's like literally there's just one guy and he's sitting up in the front mm-hmm. and i'm watching i went up towards the end of the show and this whole time, I'm like, man, that dude up front is a dedicated fan. Like, hell yeah. And it wasn't until I got up there, realized this was a straight heroin junkie that was just on the nod. Like, he had bought his one beer and was just oh, God. out of consciousness. And uh, but From behind, the- it looked like he was laughing. Yeah, from behind, it was just like, this dude's into it. Like He's, like, feeling it, man. His head bobs every punchline. Yeah. And so, like, I finally go up, and when I, when I went up, uh, by that time, a couple had come in from Voodoo Donuts, said their box of donuts, and they're sitting there. And this is, I was wearing a gray uh, t-shirt. Yeah. And I went up, and, and when I went up, shirt's fine. And I go up, and it was just like the worst seven minutes I've ever done. Like, I just started, I just bombed. I didn't get a single laugh. Yeah. Like, I didn't get a chuckle, not a anything. And. Like, my confidence just plummeted. It wasn't high to begin with, yeah. right? Oh, so, God, yeah. And I just start, and it was just bad. And, like, the couple, they're just eating donuts. Like, just, yeah. oh, you're not as good as this maple bar, dude. <laughs> Which I will never be as good as a maple bar. Oh. But it was just this weird, like, it was just, I did my time. And I just went and just to the right, uh, when you got off the stage, there was a little hallway where the bathrooms were. And I got up, and I went in there. And I saw that I had, like, sweated this, like, Rorschach test of, like, failure. It was, like, each time a joke didn't work, like, a little bit of sweat. Like, boop, boop, boop. And they didn't connect. It was, so it wasn't, like, a whole, like, thing. So it was just boop, boop. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, that they got to watch that in real time happen. <laughs> While eating. While eating. And they were still like, mm, whatever. And so that's when I was like, I'm going to wear black. Yeah. It's your new... There you go. Yeah. He's the Johnny Cash of Portland comedy. <laughs> uh, quick thing about the uh, Sky Club. I once saw a um, a rat climb up that wall behind that stage, like scurry up that wall during someone's set. And that was like the weirdest reaction from a crowd. Like people are like half laughing and then sort of like recoiling like in horror. Like, <gasps> like, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, yeah. Stole the show. Yeah. Rest oh, in, God. Rest in peace. Who was on stage at the time? That's what I want to know. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was actually Richie Stratton who was in that show. Yeah. It was his room for a long yeah. time. And uh, it that was, doesn't surprise me that Richie ran that room. Yeah. It was Richie's room. Richie. <laughs> Richie's the kind of guy that would just keep playing that room as long as he could. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Richie. Yeah, no no, no disrespect to Richie's friend. All love and everything, but that room was... He knows. Yeah. He, he knew. Oh, God, uh, yeah. You would have to... <laughs> to but I kept... 
They're like, hey, you want a spot at Sky Club? I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. Uh, this time, I think I performed there like three times. Yeah. yeah. And each time I was like, you know what? I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a get it this time. <laughs> I'm a get it. And each time I just no. walked out like. Uh, Sky Bar wins Sky, every time. I did Sky Club the night Prince died. Oh yeah. Jesus! That's a downer. I did. Oh, uh, Dave Ross, Barbara Gray came up from LA they were doing a tour and I just happened to pick them up and I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday night or something like that and I was like alright we're doing like a Monday show and it's gonna be a door deal so you understand that there's really not much gain in this they're like no we're just doing it for the fun of it booked it that was the day Robin Williams died oh shit uh, yeah <laughs> I think I did a show on that day too yeah and I used to do this joke about uh, like all the hookers in the room when Chris Farley died like going through his pockets and stuff and like also thinking he was just joking when he died yeah and it was a really funny bit uh, and uh, to me at least and like, <laughs> I, I did it that night and it was just like crickets it's like oh one comic dies and now you can't talk about any comics dying like <laughs> so I actually that was when I shelved that joke I should probably think about doing something about it but uh it was a funny bit. It worked, yeah. it worked for a while, but yeah. If if you can't laugh about it, you can't take it serious. Well, you know. Yeah. So yeah. lighten up, people. Exactly. All right, we're wrapping up here. Do you guys want to do some plugs? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go ahead and um, yeah. throw out some dates a year from now because I have no idea when this podcast will be posted. <laughs> well, on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter, I'm Dylan Jenkins eighty nine. Um, I'm going to be at uh, Harvey's Comedy Club February 16th through the 18th, and then I'll be at Helium Comedy Club March 9th through the 11th. Cool. Awesome. That's all I got to plug. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at uh, haha underscore jcoff, so H-A-H-A underscore J-C-O-U-G-H. I get it. Haha jcoff. I get it. Thank you. And... What am I? Uh, I'm Jeremiah61C on Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, which is uh, Um I always like to throw the www on there because people are like, you don't need that anymore. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, coming up this weekend, I'll be uh, anybody. In, I'll be in San Francisco um, on January twenty eighth, which is tomorrow. Wow, uh, I gotta get an airplane at like uh, noon tomorrow back in Portland. This um, will not post in the next twenty four hours. No, it won't. I was just <laughs> thinking that. Um, and yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't really have anything uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, we I've got a question Shane about gravy. Yeah, Seamus McGravy, you can uh my album will be dropping sometime soon that oh, we right. just recorded. All right, find his album when it comes out. I'm looking forward to that. That is gonna be awesome. Yeah, it should be fun. It's called Seamus McGravy. Where are they gonna be able to find it? Uh I I mean, besides just my website, you know, there'll be a link on my website, uh and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get it up on iTunes and um whatever cool. else people download music from these days. Napster. Yeah, uh, yeah, Napster, like Kazaa, we'll, you know. Yeah, we'll bear share, bear yeah. share, oh LimeWire, <laughs> LimeWire. We'll, we'll put it on. Um, we'll put it on wax, and we'll uh, we'll get it out there. We'll burn it into CDs. I think I don't know why. People like CDs still, I guess, just to have a physical thing yeah. to purchase. But um, yeah, that's it. That's what's up. Cool. So wait, I have a quick question about your Instagram name. What was it? I think it's Coughlin, or it's Jeremiah 61C. Okay. So the 61C, yes. is that your bra size? Ha <laughs> ah, Good one. 
Uh, yes. Uh, no, 61 is my, that was like my sports number. Oh, okay. I still, I still play recreational hockey in Portland and I still wear 61. Oh, uh, wow. Cool. Which started when I was a little kid, I wore 16 cause I was a, a player on a, a local team that I liked who wore 16. And then, uh, the next year I started playing football and I was a fat kid, so I couldn't wear 16. I had to wear 61 cause I was a lineman. And so I just wore 61 all the way through high school and still still playing rec hockey and wearing 61 so it's i still have my original email address uh which is yeah m-i-a-h 61c uh Jeez. yeah at hotmail at hotmail hotmail yeah. baby i was gonna say aol yeah feel free to email me at hotmail there um, you go at, Net, at uh netscape um so yeah, that's awesome. that's where the sixty one comes from. All right, well, thank you guys very much for joining me for the podcast. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Hit that and... fart shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Yeah.